You're tuned in to the Bear Raid Podcast, a part of the Chicago Skybox Sports Network. Welcome into the Bear Raid Podcast, a part of the Chicago Skybox Sports Network. Find us on IG and Facebook at Chicago Skybox Sports. I'm Johnny Yu, along with Chino, welcoming G Money back after a couple weeks. And we are on to week three of this 2023 Bears season. And I could have done without that one. Another stinker as the Bears uh, lose in KC um, while uh, the future Mrs. Kelsey, uh, T. Swizzy's out there. Maybe he'll be Travis Swift. Maybe he'll take her name uh, the way way she is. But, uh, you know, I I saw something that said that she makes more in one night of her concerts than Kelsey makes for the whole year of the season, which is just bananas. Um, bananas. uh, (laughs) Are you kidding me? Chalk up another L for your Chicago Bears and another lackluster performance, and the offense couldn't get it going. Didn't really look like they had anything going on. Play calling is is definitely you know under the microscope under Luke Getze, as you know a lot of the chatter on Twitter and radio this week was that you know Justin Fields wasn't the problem this week. It was the play calling not giving the quarterback options and the lack of uh, receivers getting open this week and, you know, starting to get, you know, frustrated. We thought this week, maybe, you know what, they had to learn from last week, step it up, at least make some plays. We didn't, we knew they wouldn't win, but we thought maybe they'd begin to look like a competent offense, but uh, that was not the case this week. No. And, and I mentioned before, before I, I was out for a couple of weeks, uh, the Claypool situation. And even before the season started, hoping he'd revive himself. We did not see that whatsoever. What was it, John? You said something about a, a missed block. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Just totally was on the, on the edge of the tackle. And just like, it wasn't even an attempt at a block. It was just like, Oh, there goes that guy. And then he turned around <laughs> and started to not block the other guy next to him. And the guy comes in for a tackle in the backfield, tackle for loss. So, and it, and that's uh, and that's the thing. The you know we've been complaining about the offensive line. Does Fields have enough time? Um, since he has, you know, does he if he has time, what's he doing with it? And now people aren't getting open, and that's very frustrating um, to see. Because again, it seems like uh, if one's going, the other side's not doing it, and it just seems to be confusion. To me, it just seems like. The play calling is um, still an issue, um, and maybe players are frustrated. Maybe part of it is people are confused on uh, what the plays are still, and have they given Justin Fields options to choose to be able to, you know, check at the line to an audible or something to just kind of run and doesn't seem like they want him doing that and using him as uh, what his strengths were. And, you know, you heard the comparisons uh, with Mitch. You know, you knew what you were getting out of Mitch Trubisky and they let him go the first year and let him do what he wanted to do. And then they tried to change it. And it almost seems a familiar, <laughs> familiar territory here where they're not letting Justin Fields be Justin Fields. Um, what do you guys uh, feel on that? Oh, 100 um, percent. I mean, you know what? It, at this point right now, I think you can go ahead and go back to when Ryan Poles put together the, 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 you know, the head coach and the coordinators. Um, we have a brand new quarterback. We have what we think is the, the purest opportunity for a future quarterback. And we bring in a defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, and then a first time 
you know, uh, offensive coordinator, Luke uh, Getze. So a shot in a barrel. We're just, you know, we're just shooting in the barrel at this point. We don't even know if it's going to be successful. Um, so to me, it just is flabbergasting that we even went about this that way. We have a brand new quarterback that's going to be the future of this organization, something they haven't had since Sid Luckman, maybe McMahon. And we're going to go ahead and throw him a defensive coordinator and somebody that has no idea how to call offensive plays outside of being under Aaron Rodgers, the the man that is the best that's probably ever done it at making a bad play go good. So, I mean, it's just incredible. So now here we are. Luke Genzi can't figure out a single thing to do. I hope he's calling Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is sitting at home. I think he's got plenty of time to answer Luke Getze's call and uh, maybe go over a few things. But nonetheless, it's embarrassing. It it really is. Um, I think we're destroying this kid. Any type of potential he had, you know, he, you know, welcome to Chicago, kid. You know, a place where quarterbacks come to die. I hate to say it, but. Unfortunately, the last best opportunity, we just drafted a kid that was number two overall and then a kid number 11 overall. They both flopped. And when you look back at who they were given the opportunity to work with, there's no big surprise. So, you know, I think that we couldn't have given him worse personnel. Um, I think that he had all the potential in the world, but now he's absolutely terrified every time the ball snapped at him and he has no idea how to read quick reads. That's the other thing. We never, when is the last time somebody saw any of our receivers do a quick slant, just a slant inside, just a quick one. We don't, there is, and I get, they may be afraid of Justin Fields throwing an interception, not reading the pre-snap correctly or whatever the case may be. But that doesn't mean you just go away from it completely. Yeah, we do no quick plays. And everything is a pistol or shotgun formation with extra steps drop back. And you got receivers running routes that are 14, 15 yards. We are doing no quick passing. And it's just killing Justin. Well, so a couple of the, the things I've heard in regards to the breakdown on those things. Uh, well, first of all, with the quick slants, you thought that would have been more prevalent in this offense, seeing that Getsy came from Green Bay. In Green Bay, it seems like they always yeah. killed us with slants. RPO. It was always slants that, that you know, whenever they needed a, a first down, Aaron Rodgers was hitting Devontae Adams for a quick slant or yeah. Jordy Nelson or insert any other receiver that he had, Randall Cobb. Uh, you know, plenty of quick slants. It was like death by a thousand paper cuts. And then later on in the game, those quick slants opened up the deep pass, and then he'd air it out uh, to one of those guys for like a 50-yard bomb. Um, but the other thing that um, I remember hearing, I'm not sure who was doing the breakdown. I think it was Tim Jenkins, uh, who's great on, on Twitter. But he was talking about how the way that Justin, that his footwork was, that I guess Luke Getze kind of gives – the quarterbacks, the option, whether they have your left foot back first or your right foot back uh, when they're set to take the snap. And Justin switched it up this year, went to left foot. And he's saying that she really shouldn't be a big deal. Getsy said it really shouldn't be a big deal. Then Nathan Peterman tried it. He went back to having his right foot back. Um, it was more like a preference thing. But that that change, that it isn't that change that's made a big difference in his footwork. It's just that his footwork is just shoddy overall. 
and it throws off his timing that instead of taking, you know, like one, two, three, four, five step drop, let it go. He'll take a one, two, three, four, five. And it throws off his whole timing that, you know, when he's supposed to be jamming his foot and looking for that receiver, he's looking at the other guy because his timing's all off from that. And that was, I know, a big thing last week. Um, I remember we saw a guy cutting for a seam route down the middle of the of the that could have had that touchdown that ended up turning into a sack when he ran forward right into the line and got sacked. Um, but I remember hearing that feedback. And another th- thing, I just an awesome interview I heard this week. Uh, former, um, I, I think he was like director of like pro personnel or, or some scouting role, Josh Lucas under Ryan Pace. He was there when they drafted both Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields. And what he said about Mitch Trubisky, because he was on Parkins and Spiegel, and Parkins always wanted um, – he wanted Deshaun Watson. So he's like, why didn't you guys even interview him or sit down with him, have a meal? And he said, well, we knew that with Deshaun Watson, he did a lot of improvisation. You know, he didn't really run the playbook. He would improvise and make things happen on his own, and it was really tough to project that in the pros because it's a whole different game. And you can't like base an offense around that. And when they went to go see him at his pro day, he declined or never showed up for dinner with them. So they kind of knew that they weren't drafting him. But he said it was between Mitch and Patrick Mahomes. And that Mitch, they started doing this new test called the S2 test at that point. It was like maybe his first or second year. He said the S2 test is a different kind of test that it doesn't measure like kind of like your academic type of brain, your ability to learn, retain, and then recite something. It was more about how you read and react under pressure and those types of things. And he scored like one of the highest scores. Justin Fields, same thing, scored one of the highest scores in his draft class uh, with that S2 test. He's like, but he's like, sometimes, you know, he's like, he's like, I can, you can put Mitch in front of a board and board the night before. And that guy will wow you, impress you. You'll think you'll have it all pulled together. But once you get in the game and the bullets start flying, you don't know how they're going to react. And he's like, those are like two, if Justin fails, are going to be like two of the biggest outliers of this test because this test has been pretty spot on uh, from the time it's been around. He says it's been around like five or six years. Um, he's like, but they, they, they really like Pat Mahomes, but when they had the meeting with Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes was, I guess, like super anxious and jittery and kind of all over the place that they kind of made the decision that Mitch would be their guy. But it kind of just like that guy was around for both of them. He saw both of them. And it's crazy how they both performed well on this test. But once they hit the field and the bullets start flying, they just turn into a different player. And I think one thing they asked them about it too was, did that game in Cleveland, his rookie year, did that impact him when he just got beat to shit and had like, what was it, like eight sacks, nine sacks on him? <laughs> and he said, yeah, that, that's going to damage a guy. And it probably did. He said, Mitch and Justin both never should have played a rookie year, but injuries forced them into those situations. And it could have, he said they knew of both of them that they needed time, that a quarterback, he said, to be successful needs at least three years of playing. Um, to be able to really step up, you know, whether it be the college level or in the pros, sitting and retaining that information takes about three years. He said, and Mitch only had the one, and Justin had like the two, the two full seasons. So that's another thing that he attributed to it. But I think that thing just kind of 
puts it in a nutshell. So you can be great on the board, great in the room, you know, have all these skills, but once you get in there and, and throw into the trenches, how are you going to react? And I, I think some of these guys just, they can't react and that's going to kill them. That's when you think too much of football, you got to be able to go in there, read and react. When you start thinking is when you get beat. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you for the Chicago bears. Go ahead and sniff those guys out every time. Um, you know, we get a number two pick, we get Mitch, we get a number 11 pick, we get, you know, Justin. And I get this guy's, you know, mathematics and everything. I get they come up with certain schematics and come up with their own metrics of measurements and things of that nature. However, if that guy was involved with Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields, I have to discredit him completely um, because that. You know, if he had any say towards any of that, I'm not saying if he did or if he didn't, but if he did, um, that's bad because that means that guy doesn't know a dang thing about it, what he's talking about because both those guys are complete failures. So, but um, no, no, but to go back, I mean, that you're, I mean, hindsight is 2020. Mitch Trubisky was the number one rated quarterback coming out that year in the draft, kind of rated by like almost all, all draft experts. Justin Fields was. Anywhere rated anywhere between two and five, and he was um, the fourth quarterback picked in his draft class. So it's not like he was the number one pick or the number two pick. You know, he was a fourth quarterback. Um, so I mean, there in terms of that, the general the, the general consensus, the, the general consensus know? on these guys is that's where they were. I understood, but I would imagine and I would hope that any of these GMs out there are not going based off the information we're receiving. Um, they're going based off the information they got, you know what I mean? So, you know, I know I remember Mitch being, you know, touted as one of the best guys. I remember saying, you know what, between him and Deshaun, I'm, I'm okay, but I would prefer Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm glad that didn't actually work out at, you know, hindsight 2020, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, you know what? I mean, it's, it's just not good. And then uh, I'm sorry, but Ryan Poles, Again, I, you know what? It goes back to just not supporting the offense um, by giving, you know, our brand-new quarterback no offensive minds. And, unfortunately, they thought they were giving him one with Luke Etsy. However, we found out extraordinarily quickly, hey, he is not an offensive mind. Um, but I digress. I will go ahead and let G-Money weigh in on this, and then let's, you know what, I mean, let's hop on to the next topic and, yeah, I just you know. don't. I I just don't understand. I mean, and when I want to compare somebody to Fields, like somewhat with near his range, I guess has become successful and kind of could be like a similar quarterback. I think of Tua, and he came out of a nasty injury too, and he seems to still be doing pretty dang good, if you ask me. And that's what I was hoping for this year. Not saying to where he's you know, where Tua is at now, but I was hoping he'd be, you know, someone, you know, somewhere in the last couple of years of what he's done. And it's just kind of weird. We're just sitting here stage one. And again, the, I, it's frustrating because really, who do you point the finger at? Because it seems, as we've talked about, everyone's pointing the finger at somebody else. And I know I missed the last podcast about everyone, you know, you had Justin's rant, you had, 
polls come out right away and that probably wasn't the best address either and it's just and that's what i was trying to talk about about control and who's leading this ship and it all starts there and if you can't have maybe these guys are just not buying in and they're just saying you know doing what they want to do and maybe that's the problem i i really don't know but it's very disturbing because we saw the preseason we heard nothing but good things even you know a lot of the sportscasters are saying you know the bears should be doing pretty good this year and we're zero and three and would look disgusting and the hype was you know we were going to take out the packers you know that was should have been easy no aaron Rodgers, no problem and we saw what happened there and it's just started collapsing as of all these stories coming up. But again, uh, do these players really want to play? But that that's my question. Cause I don't see the energy. I don't see the camaraderie and it's very disturbing. Yeah. And that falls on the coach. I think one thing we highlighted all of last year that even when they were losing and you know, it was still a team that played hard and played for each other even though they didn't have a pass rush, even though they didn't have the best offensive line, they were still, you know, in positive spirits and playing hard and working together. And this year it's not there. So that means that, you know, that type of attitude and culture you're trying to build only goes so far that once you're losing, it kind of gets exposed. And that's where it starts. And in terms of the offensive production, I think everybody's got to wear that from, the head coach, Matt Eberflus, to Luke Getze, the offensive play caller, to Justin Fields, the one pulling the trigger or not pulling the trigger. Because I, <laughs> I think a lot of it a lot of it is on him as well, you know, being able to get rid of the ball. And you compared him kind of to, to Tua, and it's kind of different games. And I think that's why a lot of people thought Tua can, you know, transition easier because Tua's always been a, a timing quarterback. Right. He's the type of quarterback is going to get the ball out. He's going to take his three steps and get it out. And that's exactly what he does because he doesn't have the craziest, you know, strongest arm, but he knows when to get rid of it and he knows where to put it. And that's probably a bigger uh, tool to look at rather than just being able to launch it 60 yards down the field and making some of those big plays. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe Justin is broken. He sounds kind of defeated these days and it's probably a, a little bit of everything. His coaches isn't putting him in the, in the right places to, to make plays. And I think Luke Getze has shown that outside of what was it, maybe like a three or four game stretch last year when he adjusted after the mini buy, you know, after that, they didn't really average more than what was it like 17 points a game after that three or four game stretch. So it's like, the rest of the league caught up to him, and then he didn't make any other adjustments. And this year, he hasn't made any adjustments at all. He's just like, you know what, let's go out there and maybe try to throw the screen pass about uh, 25% of the time and see if that gets us going. And it's like, no, that's, 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 that's not going to work, buddy. And you know what, let's, let's let Roshan rattle off a big run and then not give him the ball for like another three drives. It's like there's no there's no way for these guys to get rhythm and and like Chino said slants that's the easiest way to kind of just get some people you know and even Justin in the rhythm you get a couple of those wins on those slants it's going to help everybody the receivers are going to have more confidence the quarterbacks going to have more confidence the old line's going to have more confidence because they're getting wins it's like I'm really looking forward to next week when hopefully Tevin Jenkins is back and he can add a little bit more nastiness to that offensive line. Well, I was. Uh, I'm hoping. I 
you know, I know they don't want Justin running too much anymore, but I, I would almost, aside from the slants, have him run someplace. Like, get the get the defense guessing. That, that's just my take on it because, yes, I know you don't want to get this franchise quarterback hurt, but you got to mix. Some, something's got to work, right? Yeah. There's There's got to be an internal clock in him that says, I need to get rid of the ball. And you've heard things of what coaches do sometimes. It's – you know, ringing a bell or, you know, having an air horn with you or hitting them with like one of those pool noodles. Hey, (laughs) two two and a half seconds, boom, balls out. Two and a half seconds, balls out. And it doesn't seem like maybe they practice any of that with him because he doesn't seem to have an internal clock because there's been opportunities where guys have been open and he hangs onto the ball for an extra second and you lose that, that window of openness and you begin to force things. Because one thing with all that went wrong last week, all that went wrong, you're down, what was it, 34 nothing, 34-3 <laughs> at halftime? Like, dude, coming out in the second half, he should have had at least 300 yards passing. And even with that, if he would have had like three interceptions, I would have been cool with it because that means he was taking shots trying to get the team back in the game. Yeah, and exactly. There was none of that. Like we're None. like usually when somebody's getting blown out like that, that's when the yardage comes out. Yeah, no, he doesn't try, and that that's one of the things that kind of upsets me. It seems he's very scared to throw an interception, and it's like, look, I prefer you try a little more nowadays. You're gonna have to because obviously what you're doing isn't working, so you're gonna have to take a crack here or there. I mean, it's just. Try to be a, you know, gain a little bit of a gunslinger mentality. You know, pick up a little bit, you know. So I don't know. I have no idea what to tell him. You're right. Every time you listen to him in an interview, he sounds down and out. So, um, I mean, yeah, no, Luke Getzey is not helping with this. And if I see another wide receiver screen, I am going to go nuts <laughs> because, Jesus, good Lord. So, um, what happened to our number one run game? I would say that would be our next topic for tonight is the what do we need to get back on track? Is there or what is going to emerge first? Are we going to get our run game back on track? Or are we going to see some passing start developing and maybe that pass game actually get a little better and maybe we see some highlights on that? What do you guys think? Well, I've said it a few times, is that that number was so misleading last year because a lot of it was Justin taking off and running while everybody had their backs to him. And I think this year you're seeing more teams play zone, keeping everything in front of them, and he doesn't have those running lanes because Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery weren't lighting the world on fire last year. Most of that yardage, you know, Justin Fields was a 1,000-yard rusher. I'd have to take a look at the stats here to see – who was the next top rusher? Um, let's see. Rushing and receiving. Uh, rushing yards. Uh, hang on here. David Montgomery had 801. Khalil Herbert, 731. Justin Fields, 1143. Yeah, so, I mean, they did okay. Uh, 801 isn't but, crazy. But, you know, even like 1,000 yards isn't what it used to be. But that's what I'm getting at, though. You see there were – both running backs had 
around 800 right between the both of them it's not it's it's not great but it's not horrible either and justin had about 1100 and so that's what i'm getting they were mixing it up between justin the running back so if it wasn't justin it was a running back fooling them right because they thought justin was running and then that would hopefully open up some wide receivers to an extent to have that's what i'm saying there's got to be some mix here like because if you're just trying to plow it up the middle all the time or do a screen like we're everyone knows what's happening it's the same same thing over and over and over again yeah, but they can't complete a pass. So right. there's no there's no reason to drop your players back. The, those guys had like eight and nine in the box all game. Yeah. You're not going to run on that unless you complete some passes to keep the defense honest, and they're not doing that right now. Right, and and some of it, like you said, Justin's just waiting too long. Or what's even crazier is is when Justin finally does get it to someone, sometimes they're dropping it. And I'm just like, man, I'm like, we just can't win. <laughs> And you're right. Yeah. You know, maybe it's just not just Justin, but the team's just so defeated now. They're just, um, you know, expecting to drop it or not make a play. And, and maybe it's just, you know, the being down like that. I, I don't know. And, maybe, and it's actually not everybody. It's, not, you, it's a big toll on everyone. You have DJ Moore. You made this trade for a reason. My game plan would be I'm going to throw it to DJ Moore at least 16 times this week. Yes. Exactly. Please. I know I know he'll probably get at least twelve of those because that dude will go up from fight for the ball and he'll turn something into nothing. Or nothing into something. Hopefully he doesn't what turn something that? into nothing. And that's the biggest disappointment that I'm not, I'm not talking about him particularly, just him not getting the, the, the passes. It's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. He didn't get a I second get target to like the third quarter. Right. So it's yeah, feed him the ball. And if you feed him the ball, that's when you'll start to see things opening up because you'll start to see more double coverage on him, which should give somebody like Komet or Claypool something underneath. I, I don't even know if Darnell Mooney still exists because I haven't seen <laughs> I would, I great, haven't minds, seen great minds think alike. I was just going to say I was just going to say the same thing. Where the hell is Mooney? I haven't seen him. He seems like he's gone. Yeah. You draft the guy in Tyler Scott who's got track speed and, like, air it out to him. Let him run, dude. Let him just go out there and say, yeah, run straight. I'm going to send the bomb to you. At this point, catch it. At this point, 0-3, like, and it has – the games have all looked horrible. Like, why not try some different things at this point? Because you keep trying to do the same thing. We're not getting – we're, we're not doing anything. It's not working. And you got to try something else to get out of this. I'm not saying to go completely extreme, but throw some other stuff out there. You you got, I mean, it's the same freaking song and dance all over again. And I'm just like it. And that's where bears fans are getting, you know, frustrated. They're already burning Justin Fields jerseys and all this other stuff. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Now, now don't get me wrong. Chicago sports have been going to the, you know, crapper now. Um, so that doesn't help either. But again, it, it's not a good, great feeling, especially when we were expecting um, to have a, you know, a good season this year. Yeah. And it would also save the defense. Even, you know, they're not playing great, but also it's hard to play great when your team's going three and out for seven straight drives. <laughs> yeah. So. That's got to be killer. That's I mean, if you give killer. them time, they're not, you know what? And you're right. They're not the greatest. But if they can have extra time to look at the iPads, look at plays over, go over things with the coach, go over things with their players, 
and come up with better ideas, talk about things, that would be great. But they're not, yeah, no, they're not even getting that chance. I mean, it's not even close. So it could be a big difference. I, I really feel truly in my heart, coaching is definitely the problem here. Um, when you have your, we, last year, uh, when you think about after Roquan was gone, the linebackers we had was Jack Sanborn, and I don't even remember. So now here we are with Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, and Jack Sanborn, <laughs> and we have the same results, if not worse. So it's to me, that is coaching 100%. If you upgrade your roster like that and you come out with the same results, Coaching, you're calling the wrong plays. Bottom line, I feel like Sanborn and Sanborn and Edwards are the only guys can make a solo tackle. Everybody else, it's like they bounce off of them and takes a third or fourth guy before they finally get a tackle. Like Edwards and Sanborn are the only guys that can go on going out there and you know making a tackle on on you know the first touch. And let me tell you something: if there isn't a bigger slap in the, we're playing the Broncos this week, right? If there's no bigger slap in the face of a team losing by 50 sticks and they're still favored against this Bears team, I would I would be out on a mission. I would if be the, out on a mother effing mission. That would the, drive me insane. If they lose this week, this Matt Eberflew should be the first coach at the Bears fire end season. Hands down. I agree but the, 100%. But, like it's that that's enough. But that's yeah, enough. But the problem is, is we've just been ranting on the bad coaching for the last 10 minutes. Who who would you put as a head coach? Who would be the interim head coach? That's, I think that's the hard part, right? Because now what do you – we, and we've done this <laughs> the last couple of years too now with this. And, um, yeah. Calling I, Jeff Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And I think it's, you know, uh, last week I told Chino, I think it's a little bit too early to start talking about possible head coach replacements. But, no, I think he was right. I think, you know, I think now I, I, I'm i definitely paying more attention. You know, the Lions on TV right now, their offense is freaking doing pretty damn good as they're putting a hurting on Green Bay right now and just scored another touchdown. Yes, David sir. Montgomery, his second touchdown. David Mc- and let me tell you, let me they know I'm how gonna, to use them. Hold on. I'm going to keep putting this crap out. I almost used the S word, but I'm going to use, I'm going to stay no swearing today. You guys got dog me all year about saying we shouldn't have lost Montgomery. I love, and he, again, he wasn't spectacular. He wasn't anything like any crazy shaky moves, but he moved the ball. He was a hard pounder and he did his effing job. And that's what you're seeing in Detroit. And that's why people made fun of me, even on these podcasts saying, oh, we could lose Montgomery. Dude, he is a huge piece and he can do, he'll do what you ask him to do. And that's why he's a workhorse and he's actually a leader in the locker room, believe it or not. And I think that um, that was a huge loss. I don't care what anyone says, and they can come at me if they want. <laughs> come at me. But I thought losing him was a, a, a bad idea. But that's – Yeah, well, I think you can now see how a competent offense uses him and how he can be a weapon. We saw him under Nagy and, and Getsy last year, and I think mm-hmm. uh, he, just, he just looked like another guy. 
But now you, you know, we're talking about Ben Johnson had, he could have been the head coach. I think it was of the Cardinals this year, but he said, no, I want to, you know, keep getting better. I want to be an OC for another year. So that way I prepare myself to be a head coach and he's using them the right way because, uh, you know, they even drafted a rookie in Jameer Gibbs and a lot of people thought that Jameer Gibbs might go in there and, and take all the carries away. But no, Montgomery's been the lead back the, the whole season so far for through these first four games. So yeah, uh, I think I think that is another example of why this coaching staff sucks. <laughs> you know why? Why they? It's their fault. They made me think that. You know, they made me think that David Montgomery wasn't shit. So I blame this coaching staff. Those bastards. Um, well, because... I do want to reiterate. I want to restate that Montgomery didn't really want to come back. I think that that's kind of the case. I mean, I believe we offered him similar money. I don't, yeah. you know, don't quote me on that. And I believe that at the end of the day, it just seems as if that was his decision. He didn't want to come back. So, yeah, I remember um, he made like a post do, on the way out know? too. Um, but I would agree. <laughs> I mean, I believe he has three touchdowns so far this year. And I want to say, you know, most of the seasons with us, he finished with five or six. You know, I mean, Detroit's got him, and now here we are four games in. I believe they're four or five. And he's already got three touchdowns. So, you know, he's got a great pace. Two today. Exactly. That's my point. You know, with two today and I think one in a previous game. So, he's already got three touchdowns so far. Detroit won. Jesus. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're 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 a good example of what we could do if we have a good head coach. Look at their head coach. I was watching the Kansas City and Green Bay, or I'm sorry, Kansas City and Detroit game, the very first game of the year, uh, where Kansas City lost. And in that night, um, I can't remember who the announcers were, but they said that they were talking to other coaches on the Detroit team, and those coaches were saying, "Look, I'll run through a wall for that coach." And, you know, they're talking about the HC. So, you know, we, we got I, – I don't I don't think there's anybody on this team that will say they'll run through a wall for anyone. And well, that's, me, that's where we're at. Now, let me ask you this. I know we're talking about coaches. How do you feel about Ryan Poles? I don't. Me and Chino talked about it last week. Oh, go ahead, Chino. Um – you know, as the week goes on, you know, as time goes on, I'm becoming less and less confident. Yep. Um, you know, you, I get it. You strip the team down. Okay. All right. But when you do that, you carry the burden of having to rebuild this team perfectly. And I'm pretty sure we can go ahead and stamp it that you haven't done that yet or even gotten close. The, uh, the people you've hired are failures. The people you've drafted, mediocre. Right. Um, you know, I mean, you know, under uh, underachievers. And I believe they're underachievers because they're under the people that you picked as coaches. Well, that's, that's and, what I was going to say, too. During draft time, right, we had draft. And let's just be clear. On paper, when – we got our drafts and we made a whole bunch of moves. We seem very satisfied as Bears fans. Would you guys agree to that? That when those moves happened, we were, it was better than what we, would you guys agree or no? Um, 
I would say I they know. were valid. So, they were options that were valid. Um, the selection wasn't, you know, off the charts. Right. I think um, all, of, all of the picks that we looked at were like, that's solid. There's yes. nothing that was like, this guy's a difference maker. Right. We thought Darnell exactly. Wright could be in, and I think Darnell Wright still can be. Yes. But Jalen Carter right now in Philly has more pressures by himself through three games than isn't the that, Chicago Bears. Isn't that sick? That's yeah. That's just I that makes me mad. And I know we had that conversation in our podcast during the draft. And actually, didn't I ask to get him? I pretty sure I wanted him. And I, and Chino, I think you wanted him too. Or you all of no, us? No, I did not. I no, had maybe, punted maybe on John. him. It was John. I had an offensive I, line. I That's wanted him if he would have fell to us where he did, and I thought that would have been the perfect place to get him because then it's like, all right, I'm taking a shot at him at ninth. This guy can be the best player in the draft, and I get him at ninth. Why not take that shot? Kind of like the the Buccaneers when they got Warren Sapp that one year. Yeah, you know. So it's like, ah, in. A lot of people said maybe it's the locker room or whatever, but then that comes back again to the coaching and to the general manager. If you haven't built a solid locker room that can support a player like this who can be a generational talent, a possible future Hall of Famer with the skills that he possesses, then what are you doing? What are you building? Who have you hired? And me and Chino talked about it last week. It's like you came into the off off season with the number one pick, and I think 10 picks overall in the draft after you traded it, you had the most money in the offseason to spend, and I think it was of all time going into an offseason yeah. with free agency. Yes. You, did, you didn't sign any, like, difference makers. You Linebackers. Tremaine Edmonds, I think, would have been classified as, like, a difference maker. Yeah, agreed. But, but where was the offensive line help? Where was the pass rush? You know, you spent two years in a row. You spent your players, you know, your picks on defense. You got two defensive backs, three defensive tackles, and you hired a defensive coach, and you still have one of the worst defenses in the league. <laughs> so t- yeah. tell me that right there tells me, Ryan Poles, no, you are not the right guy for this job. No, and I think you strip the team down too much. That was the problem was he stripped the team down too much. In terms of pass rush, we didn't just go from, I mean, we had, and I get it, you got to get rid of Robert Quinn. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. But before Robert Quinn, I mean, you know, was getting rid of Mac really the best idea? You know, I mean, I get it, you know, where we were going with him and everything like that, but was the timing right? When you came in with his new GM approach, and things like that. So I don't know. You know, I mean, I to me is that he really stripped the team down too much, and now he's paying the price because we have we had no pass rush, and now here we are coming into the off season of the draft. There's only so much you can add throughout that, and he didn't really even appear to try. So yeah, now here we are. You know, you can't do that all through the draft. You can sprinkle a little bit of talent down there, but even if we would have got what's his name that went to Houston, the edge rusher, I can't think of his name. I don't even think that man would be significantly different than what we have right now. 
Yeah, and you're going to go into another offseason where you're going to have another $100 million suspended free agency. And <laughs> do you want him being the one to spend that money? No. And I, I right now, I would not. I would get somebody in here that's built a team before, and I would get a head coach that's done it before. And call me crazy because I've shot him down before, but he's totally turned me around. Um my man up there at the University of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, former Chicago Bear. <laughs> they said it's, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, I guess, not so uh, secret that his dream job is the Chicago Bears head coaching job. And you know, one thing that he's done there is he's built a program, and he did that in San Francisco, and he did it at Stanford. He's built a program that's been able to sustain success, and he's been able to work and develop good quarterbacks, and. You know, if you're gonna get the number one pick, possible number one pick next year, at least you know you're gonna you're gonna have a top ten, if not two top ten picks next year. So you're gonna have a shot at a quarterback, maybe enough to trade up for number one and get Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're gonna want somebody who can develop, and you got a good feeling that if Jim Harbaugh comes, he might bring Greg Roman with him. And Greg Roman, all that guy's done is known how to build an offense around what he has and catered to the talents of his players. And that's somebody you need in in order to, you know, put a young quarterback in a good position. So already that's kind of where my head is at is I want to see Jim Harbaugh. I am now ready to see Jim Harbaugh as the coach of the bears. And I hadn't before just because I, I felt like even at Michigan, he kind of left something there's always desired and college is always different because you got to deal with recruiting and everything. But, you know, the last two years of being in the college football playoff this year, ranked number two, the development of J.J. McCarthy as a quarterback, QB one there. Um, I think that's another testament to, to what he is as a coach, because that guy's grown significantly year over year. So I uh, personally, I'm going to go ahead and slap that name on the table and say, that's who I want. I'm already thinking about it. I wasn't <laughs> thinking about it last week. But after that game, that was the name that was right at the top of my head is who I want. Maybe other names will kind of develop, OCs and stuff like that. But I, I think it's time to go with a proven name. The Bears always try to bring this coordinator who you can kind of lowball on, on the contract. <laughs> you can sign, you know, for $3 million or whatever to be your head coach. And he's going to bring a bunch of other young guys and experienced guys to be on his team. And it's not, it's not going to work. They, they messed up when they fired Lovey after going 10 and six. And we've just been cursed ever since, you know, firing. A coach oh, that hasn't been season. more evident than in recent. They've been really pointing Lovey out. I mean, I haven't seen that man's name. <laughs> and, uh, on, my, on my social media feed more than I have now. Um, you know no. what? I mean, it's just very disappointing. I mean, with Tressman, Nagy, you know, Aberflus, um, John Fox. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> don't, like, don't do that. Don't bring that up. <laughs> you know, folks. You know, I mean, McCaskies. How bad do you, you know, fail before you actually realize? And you know what the problem is? They're money hungry. They're not going to give up the team. They, they will let this team, uh, until this team falls into the USFL or XFL, they will not do a thing because the money is coming in. But well, I will say the Bears are starting to not sell tickets. Well, that's one of, 
one of the recent things, G Money, I think what you're about to say is that you can see on their, their you know, during the game, they're still selling premier seats, uh, premier, uh, I'm sorry, not seats, uh, premier suites. And those are usually bought up. So, you know, fans are catching on. Well, that's what I was going to get to because there's what, sometimes eight, sometimes nine games a season at a home game because of the 17 games now. So a lot of people still end up going. And because there's not many games in football and people just want to go to the game. Well, now they're starting to see that they're going and they're getting, you know, handled pretty bad and pretty early. And who wants to pay money for that? So now people are like, well, I ain't going to pay money to see this team get rolled. So if that continues, you know, maybe that'll start, you know, once it starts hitting the pocketbook, you know, then maybe maybe they'll start doing some changes. But you're right. If if the Bears continue, if people keep going and flooding the stadium, they're not going to change anything. Yeah, and you know what? One thing I just thought of as we thought, like, if you fire Eberflus during the season, who can take over as coach? I think there's enough former Bears in media that have run that cover too that they'd be able to step in and just run it no problems. You put Alex Brown as the defensive line coach, Lance Briggs as the linebackers coach, and Peanut as the secondary coach, you're probably <laughs> going to do a lot better than what they got right now. I would feel oh, a I'm... lot better about things. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never wanted to be that meatball and say something like that, but I have more belief in those guys right now stepping in than I do in, in Eberflus and his staff doing anything. Although, John Hoke who's a defensive backs coach, was a defensive backs coach under Lovey. So he coached Mike Brown. He coached Peanut, you know. So uh, I have – if anybody, I would have faith in him to step up and take over defensive coordinator. I don't know about head coach, but at least defensive coordinator, somebody that, that's known the defense that long. But the fact that they haven't, then maybe that's saying something else. But, um, yeah, I think uh, definitely things to think about as we go in here into week four against the Denver Broncos. So before we wrap things up here, we'll just uh, each kind of leave our thought on what we want to see this week, whether it's development, maybe it's just a W, maybe it's, uh, you know, airing it out. What what do we think needs to happen in order for uh, these Bears to get a W this week? So let's kick it off with you, G-Money. All right, yeah, so, like, all I want to see right now, as I mentioned before, I want to see energy. I want to see this team wanting to be there. Like, not the heads down. Not. I, I, it's all about, you know, what – like, it just it brings a different energy. And, yes, we need the – and, again, as I mentioned, I don't want it being, like, too extreme, but – Something's got to try something different here, especially as, again, this Denver Broncos team is favored in this game after getting whooped by 50. That cannot happen. So they better wake the hell up. They better start, you know, saying not on not on our time and not on our watch and do something about it. So, yeah, taking that W, just got to take it and then move from there. That's my piece. <laughs> no, I agree. No, I agree. They got to bring some attitude. They got to figure out a way to go ahead and get a W. Um, I'd like to see some pass rush. You know, I'd really like to see right now Russell Wilson is obviously struggling. He is not the Russell Wilson of uh, Seattle. Um, So this is a good opportunity for us to really get some pass rush in there. 
Uh, I'd like to see them be able to benefit from that. And then on offense, I don't care what you do, establish an identity one way or another. If you're going to be a pass-heavy team, well, then be pass-heavy, but start throwing the ball down the field um, or doing some short plays. Do it all. You know, mix it up. Be a pass-efficient team. If you're going to run the ball, well, then let's do what we did last year. You know, let Fields get a lot of that. I have no problem with Justin Fields finishing the year with 600 to 700 yards rushing. That, to me, is very efficient. To me, that opens up first downs. And now we put the defense in a position where we don't know if he's going to run or pass. Um, it helps. It just helps. So, um, well, and that offense making something established. Listen, yeah, I think for go ahead. Okay, go ahead. No. As I say, listen, we already had Taylor Swift with Kelsey, and you got Russell Wilson. So if Sierra's there, hopefully she can teach Justin Fields that one two step. All right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, for me, for me, what I really need to see is uh, I said it earlier: get DJ more of the ball. I think that's the way you're going to be able to open up this offense is giving DJ more of the ball because. In my eyes, if they don't get a W this week, then that's when we got to start talking about coaching changes. And it's it's early week four if you start thinking about coaching changes, but that's where I'm at mentally. And contrary to kind of maybe what a lot of things that I've been saying is I'm not totally out on Justin just yet. I still feel like the dude can ball if he's just put in the right situations, but at some point, you just got to say, F it, I'm going to do it my way, and this is what I'm going to do, watch. And if he's got that in him, I think this is a perfect matchup because Denver sucks just as bad as we do right now, <laughs> and they don't really have a pass rush either. So this may be your kind of best week to kind of start to build on that confidence. And I don't want to just see an attitude develop or a confidence develop. I need to see a W along with that because without it, any, anything you may have developed during the game is just going to get knocked down another notch. No, for oh, sure. Great. So, and, and real, so that, and, and real quick before you shut this down, John, as you guys know, and I, sorry to bring this up. I'm a big Duke fan. They're four and zero. They're going against the four and one Notre Dame Irish. So I'm looking to go five and zero with these Dukies. All right. <laughs> Hey, we might need to start looking at some Duke players to bring onto the <laughs> roster next year. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You know, you know, a bad example would be Daniel Jones. Let's not talk about him right now, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not, but although we did get uh, he did get Patrick paid. Patrick Manley. So one, one good thing did come out of Duke football. Oh, but, there you go. <laughs> but. That will be it for us as we wrap up another week here of the Chicago Bear Raid Podcast, a part of the Chicago Skybox Sports Network. I'm Johnny Yu along with Chino and G-Money. And as always, bear down. Let's get that done. Bear dub. down.